0: Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless. And if at all possible, find the obvious, buried in the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. Time for an overall. Let's get to it. For those of you who are used to listening to me and even those who are not used to listening to me, here's the deal. Uh, when I opened these shows, you heard me say, time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless, if at all possible, find the obvious, buried in the absurd. There's a reason I say that, because so much of what's going on in the world is absurd in so many different ways. And looking for things to cut through all that stuff uh, is often difficult to do. You turn on the, the news, you'd be afraid to come out of the house in the morning. That's not what life is about. And it seems like over the years that the concept or the, um, I should say, the idea of hope, uh, this incredible, powerful tool that we have at our, our beck and call that we seem to have forgotten, uh, has gotten pushed back to the back burner in so many different ways. But there's people doing something about it. I am so thrilled because I get to talk with Catherine Getzky, She's uh, the chief hope officer. Never heard of that? Me neither until she joins us. She's uh, with the, <laughs> I hear you chuckling in the background. She's the chief <laughs> hope officer of the Shine Hope Company, which is on its way to move here in Chicago. They're planting their roots here in the Windy City. They have a lot of events coming up and you need to know about it. And you need to know about Catherine. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here.
0: So nobody just gets out of bed the morning and goes, I'll be a chief hope officer. Right, I mean, it's a <laughs> yeah, high. I mean, that's not something I've ever took a class in. I did. There's no college course that I know of. It. How did this all come about for you?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, there now is a college course, a ten week college course. Is that right? Just, yes. Just for the record, hopeful mindsets on the college campus. Oh wow. Um, that we that we launched and created and launched. But yeah, I started it about ten years ago. Uh, I did a lot of work in global mental health and was in a. You know, in a, I think at the World Health Organization, they were doing a presentation on suicide prevention. And at that time, it was primarily kind of 1-800 numbers, restricting access to means, you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And I'm at a pretty high risk of suicide for suicide based on a past attempt and addiction history. And, and I also lost my dad to suicide when I was 18 years old and thought you know that's not gonna prevent my suicide and and hopelessness is really the single consistent predictor Mm. of suicide and i thought well why don't i know what hopelessness is and kind of how to get to the opposite which i came to kind of figure out is hope
0: Hmm. so i I know i had read about your previous attempt and your background and all this type of stuff and jennifer weigel our mutual friend who put this interview together had mentioned about your father and if you don't mind can we drill there for a second
1: of course, absolutely. So
0: I find it of the utmost calling in life sometimes where the people that have become before us, for example, I'll just use my, my folks as an example. My mom was an alcoholic, dies at the age of 59, drinks herself to death. I've never mm-hmm. once figured out what was so horrible in her life at some point that, that caused this, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had a choice, even though uh, I lived with this, I, I would watch her basically going down this path, and I use it as a teachable thing, like that's not something I want to do. Even though I never figured out what went south for her and with my dad, I did figure out that this is something for me to learn from. And so I went in a 180. I can still put beer away with the best of them, but that's not the point. <laughs> but the point is, is that I've used, I've used that as a teachable thing to say I, I really want to use the platforms I've been given over the years and have conversations with, with people like you to drill down and find out what makes a difference. where's the split happen? Why do some people make it and some people break it? How does that work for you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I agree and and hear you, and I actually didn't think I would try to take my own life, um, just based on my experience with my dad and knowing the harm it caused me and my family and other people, and there was no reason for it, so I was actually pretty shocked when I did, and it took me a long time to even tell anyone that I had um, attempted to take my own life, just because of my own kind of shame and around it and disbelief and just wanting to just avoid it altogether and, and not really acknowledge and you know and I've been an addict too and and fundamentally underlying all of it is really a hopelessness. So an inability to manage my despair and helplessness which are really the two components of hopelessness. so you know, my despair being my emotional pain, so fear, anger, sadness, just I I didn't know how to deal with it, and then that helplessness, so, you know, Mm -hmm. the feeling of powerlessness, I didn't know how to get from helplessness to action a lot of time, and so, and I find that true with addicts, and we know this now around the research, it's not, Mm -hmm. hopelessness is not just predictive of, you know, suicide, it's a primary symptom of anxiety and depression, and it's all also a key predictor of violence and yeah. addiction and kind of all of these things that we're seeing kind of play out but it's you know it's learned hopelessness is learned
0: yeah I'm a, I'm of the mindset you know when I was growing up there were four channels on TV that was it so <laughs> we didn't have this constant bombardment of every f and thing in the world going bad and um, I, I'm pretty well convinced that in the last since the onset of unsocial media, and there's some great points to it. Obviously, you know, you and I can can sit do these podcast type opportunities and reach the world basically from right where you're at. That's a great part of technology. But the content aside, you know, not everything that comes down. It's like the Jurassic Park theory, right? Just because you can make dinosaurs is not a good idea because they've already come and gone. <laughs> so I look at this and I say, how much, how much is put upon us that? um creates this despair and this hopelessness that's so far out of our control that it creates apathy, which is even worse, because then there's nothing you can do about anything. And we're constantly pushing this. I'm pretty well convinced, Catherine, that at this point, the only people that don't have PTSD are probably the Bushmen of Australia. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, right, that don't pay, pay attention to it. Well, absolutely, I mean, they provide to us what we're gonna click on and we have this kind of tendency to look for threats in our environment and when we see a threat, we, we focus on that threat and we try, try to alleviate the, the threat and that's what the news does a really good job of, is, is playing to our tendency to do that. Um, yet we have this, the ability and we need to um, be intentional about what we consume both you know eating um, in the media through what we read kind of all of that so it's more about teaching the impact of what immersing ourselves in that negativity does to our mindset and just really our emotional health and learning how to set kind of parameters around it so that we remain healthy i mean our phones create addictive brains so if Mm -hmm. we start consuming you know a phone at a young age It has that little, you know, you get those little notifications that are, you know, kind of intermittent reinforcements. Mm -hmm. So train us to addicts, unless we kind of put um, things in place that help kind of monitor and manage that tendency to do that. And I think, you know, just like we need to do that with the news, we need to limit our consumption of news, just like we need to limit our consumption of sugar or kind of any of that Um, Mm -hmm but it's really up to us to do that and that's part of what we teach in hope and through how we teach hope is self-efficacy and and why we need to be kind of become more aware of all of that and be intentional about what we do in our lives
0: so in all of that do you ever i mean i was going to save this a little bit more towards the end of our conversation but this it popped up in my head two or three times you know as I mentioned with my folks, that was a spur for me to go out and do the work that I do now, whether I'm writing a book or doing podcasting or radio or TED Talks or whatever. All the stuff I've done is an attempt to make sure that somebody's mom doesn't succumb to what my mom did. That's really what's at the base of this. Is it the same for you? Do you see that this path that you've been on, you almost had to take this route in order to do the work that you do?
1: oh absolutely i absolutely had to you know take this path and you know both to save myself and to work to try to save other people and give share and provide the information i mean i guess i always kind of say i can't save anyone and yet i can give them the information and resources and then it's you know it's really up to individuals to to, to learn about it, to consume it themselves, um, and to better, you know, make better decisions for themselves. I'm, I'm pretty sure that had I known now, um, or had I known when I was a kid what I know now, I could have helped my dad in such a m- much better way. And yeah. I don't, there, there's nothing that's more painful, or there wasn't for me than watching my dad suffer and not being able to support him and, and help him in, in the way that I think you know, society should have been able to, but, you know, we just didn't know back then what we know now.
0: Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about um, the exploration you've had of the concept of hope. You know, I can give you the definition, but that's just words in a virtual Webster's (laughs) dictionary. I don't think there's even a real dictionary anymore, but, but what's, how do you define it? What does it look like in your life and how does it, you think it plays out around you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when when I got started on the work, I thought you know they were measuring how hopeful people were, um, but they weren't teaching people how to hope. And so I thought, well, why not? If we're learning how to be hopeless, why aren't we trying to teach people how to hope? So, I kind of set out on this journey to figure out, okay, if we're going to teach people how to hope, how would we? How might we do that? How could we do that? And and I'll look at hope like pre and post when they go through my program and see if their hope improved but I started you know I, I looked at both how they were measuring hope and also really what hopelessness was and so when I came up with my own definition for hope I kind of looked at hopelessness being that emotional despair and motivational helplessness and I said okay well hope for me then is it's a vision for something in my future and I fuel it with both positive feelings and inspired actions so to me, it kind of became the antithesis of hopelessness. And that's really what I teach and how I develop the programming. And then we have lessons that really teach how do you do that? How do you get from despair to positive feelings? And how do you get from helplessness to inspired actions?
0: Hmm. It's interesting to me because you keep using the word learning and teaching and learning and teaching. And you know, when I was in high school and I keep referring to my ancient history here, but the bottom line is, <laughs> you know, when you only had four channels growing up, everything looks pretty good. But Uh, I didn't learn any of that in school. I mean, there was no, we don't even talk about it. You know, people just dealt with their shit and they just, that was how it was. And I'm so heartened on one hand that this work is being done. And on the other hand, you think of the the lag time, it's taken decades for people to even talk about this. I know.
1: Yeah, no, I know it's it's just it's tragic because we don't prioritize it and yet hope pretty much predicts all kind of outcomes in life how long you live how quickly Mm. you recover from disease how well you do in school more so than your iq i mean it's so foundational and fundamental and so incredibly important And yeah, I wasn't taught it either. And I thought, gosh, I could have saved myself so many problems. I mean, hope Uh is a protective factor for anxiety and depression. So the more hopeful you are, the less likely you are to develop anxiety and depression. Uh But again they weren't teaching you how to do that. Nobody they thought you can't teach hope. And I thought, well if you can measure it and if you can teach people to be hopeless, then you can probably teach them how to be hope. And I'm mm-hmm. really excited to say that we proved that theory out and you know, we have a free global evidence-based program now that anyone can download and learn, start learning, how do I become hopeful, you know? And mm-hmm. and how can my kids become hopeful? So we have a parents guide as well that parents can download and use. And to me, it's one of the most important skills that we can learn. And, you know, if we want to end violence in our communities, well, hopelessness is driving that fundamentally, you know, it's not mental illness. It's hopelessness. They're in so much despair and they feel so helpless to do anything about it. Yet, you know, when you teach the skills to hope, you know, you can solve any problem through the framework of hope.
0: Yeah. We just went through a global exercise in human behavior modification known as a pandemic. Mm. And coming out of that and being in that, and then coming out of that, I know that uh, there, 48% of Americans experience hopelessness since COVID 19 started. And, you know, in some ways, we as a society like to move on. Let's move on. Let's get over it. Let's go move on. And how much of this is uh, connected to perspective for you, seeing the world, seeing your life? In a different way to to make different, you know, changes.
1: I mean, well, it, it's absolutely perspective and that I can make a change, you know. I, I mean to me, hopelessness was so learned, it was so embedded in in my response and like how I handled things, I didn't even know that I could learn how to hope. So to me, that is a in and of itself is a complete shift in perspective. And I know through my work with teens, once I give them that message, that like Oh wow, you could, I have to learn how to hope. Like it's not just a you know, something that's inherent with me. I'm either inherently hopeful or not. Well, it's it's not at all. You've got to learn, you've got to practice skills. You've got to be really intentional about it, and especially during times of great change. I mean, we know anxiety and depression go up when we go through major life events. Mm-hmm. You know, the potential for it. Well, of course, COVID, COVID happened to everyone. Right. It was a you know universal life event and so your hopefulness going into covid predicted how well you did through covid really and yet you're never taught how to hope so some people are more natural i think at, at hoping than others but anyone can be taught at any age how to be hopeful you know but it's not like a wish hope is hope is much different than a wish it takes you know, action on our part to um, move towards what we want. Um, But perspective, you know, for sure plays a big key in it, as does, you know, knowing and understanding the science of hope and really how to activate hope. When we talk about hope, we use Shine as a framework. That's why it's the Shine Hope Company. And Mm -hmm. I do believe I'm the first ever Chief Hope Officer. I would say yes, I would think that (laughs) Until someone refutes that. You know, research as much as I can. But um, yeah, we use we use shine as a mnemonic or an acronym. So we teach stress skills, happiness habits, inspired actions, nourishing networks and eliminating challenges, which are thought patterns that get in the way of her ability to hope like rumination, internalizing failure, those kinds of things. But you know, we teach the science of kind of all of those different things, and that fuels our work in terms of how we teach hope. But to me, the first perspective that needs to change is that hope is kind of a wish and it's an abstract yeah. thing. And I don't have, you know, I can't be hopeful. Well, anyone can be hopeful. It's really learned. You've got to learn how to be hopeful.
0: You know, the main one of the main tenets in life, at least for me, and I, you know, I. I when I talk with someone like you, I'm, it is reaffirming to me that you could be down really in the bowels of hell and still crawl out, yep, right? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And I and I don't think, to me, that's where a matter of perspective comes in. You know, most of those challenges that I face every day are simply first world challenges. I didn't get a parking spot. Something happened over here. These are little minor irritations, and then you realize that there are people, if not everybody, on some level, dealing with stuff very deep inside them that dictates their actions or lack of that and here now you have a company coming along the Shine Hope Company and a col- why was this when I was in college I would have got an A I would have taken <laughs> the class um, you know a, a class to learn how to do this and I'm, I'm looking at like the long view here uh, of all I was telling somebody the other day you know I'm, I've been working on a book project for a friend of mine and I've covering the class the years not the class the years from 1963 to 70 and that was a shit show. JFK was assassinated. M. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated. They're marching in civil rights. Vietnam War is going on, and that time frame—Vietnam War lasted all the way up to seventy-five. But that time frame was so difficult, and yet I hear people often say, "Boy, I sure miss the good old days." And I'm mm-hmm. saying to myself, "Were you not there?" And it's so interesting to me. On one hand, good for them for being—you know—ignorance is bliss. But on the other hand, I'm thinking life is so much about perspective, and and the stuff going on today really doesn't bother me because I remember those days. And I think it's a great tool for me when my daughter who's 34 going on 35 says, Dad, can you believe what happened? I said, yeah, I've seen this seven times already, right? So it's about perspective to some greater or lesser degree. So what can people expect when they connect with the Shine Home Company? What sort of things are you offering them that are concrete constructed tools they can use?
1: Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is perspective and then it's and it's knowledge. It's I think knowledge is power. So to me, like understanding that hope is a skill, that we've got to practice skills for hope and be intentional about it. Um, is such an important part of what we're doing. So we, know, the Shine Hope Company, we now do a lot of workplace consulting. You know, hopelessness is probably your biggest workplace cost. Is with there's a depression cost calculator that will determine how much depression alone costs your workforce and. You know, hopelessness is the primary symptom of depression, but it's also, you know, hopelessness impacts so much more of that in the workplace. So we're doing a lot of work now to activate hope in the workplace, to teach leaders, to do leadership training, how do leaders become more aware of what hope is, how to activate skills with employees. Hope is actually a top four need of employee based on strengths-based leadership. So we're doing work in the workplace. We also have the 10-week college course so that any campus can use across the world, really. We we build Canvas pages for them, um, which are kind of a resources page on their campus. You know anything that a student may become hopeless about while they're on campus, whether it's a food, food kind of security issue, or housing, or financial aid, or counseling, or police, or just kind of all of these resources that students might need. So the goal of the the college course is to, you know, have them learn from both experts and then those that have been to college that have dealt with different challenges while in college and how did they kind of proactively Mm -hmm. manage that challenge. So. You know, the goal of the Shine Hope Company is really to deal with with the adult population. And then I have a nonprofit as well called IFRED, and, and we do work with kids. So we have free programming available for kids. We have a Hopeful Minds program. We're working to activate hope in cities through hope, Hopeful Cities. We're working on an international day of hope first monday of may so may 1st this year mm-hmm. to get a U- un resolution passed to establish right. an actual international day of hope um, because it's so it's so important hope is you know so foundational to anything we want in life
0: what about this you have an event coming up in chicago you're you're being based now here um, and boy if this any city needs it in the country it'd be chicago needs a little bit more hope the way things are but again that's even perspective you know i mean it's a great city i'm a native of chicago i've lived here on and off all my life and i've never once felt like this is not a good place for me to be i know that everybody doesn't feel that but i think once we go back to perspective but anyway we you're you're going to be moving here to chicago with all your efforts and work you have something coming up what is it
1: Yes, we're going to do an event at Madam Zuzu's on April 12th. And my uh, CEO, Scott Mandel, he also started Enjoy Life Foods. He kind of started the gluten-free category, so um, was the first globally certified gluten-free company in the world. And he exited to Mondelez International. But he's coming on board for the Shine Hope Company as my CEO, which I'm really excited about because we want to create kind of a movement around hope, uh, kind of consumer health education brand. And so we're gonna be speaking at Madam Zuzu's. I'll have a conversation with Jennifer really about all of the work, um, what we know about hope and and hope science. I've had the privilege of meeting so many experts from around the world on hope and, um, and my mental global mental health work as well. So we'll have kind of a conversation about it, share what we're doing with kids, share the resources that are available kind of why hope is important right now. I don't there's a new report out by the C D C that fifty seven percent of teen girls in the US are persistently hopeless and thirty percent are contemplating suicide, um, having suicidal ideations and this is I mean a third of our I mean it's just we're teaching our kids to be hopeless is the reality of kind of what's happening. And, and we need a major shift and transformation in our communities and in society as a whole, um, because we need to teach them. I mean, if we wanna achieve everything we want in life and our kids wanna achieve, they've gotta learn how to be hopeful. Um, you know, I, we know just, the outcomes. Yeah, I was yeah. just gonna
0: say real quick, I apologize for cutting in, but I, I just, you know, that those are staggering numbers.
1: I know. Staggering. I Staggering. Mean, Absolutely. It's exactly. We know the outcomes of hopelessness, right? The violence, the self-harm, the addiction, the depression, the anxiety. And we can't do anything if we have a community, all of our communities and youth are, um, you know, experiencing all of that. It's impossible to make change and to create positive momentum in society. And so... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me it's the number one issue of our times. How to how to teach our, our youth and kids how to be hopeful and, you know, and the reality is adults are fairly hopeless themselves and yeah. we're teaching our kids. So, um, it's got to there's got to be a major shift.
0: Yeah, the long view on this perspective thing just keeps coming over and over again in my head as you talk because I think to myself again just my quick reference to the 60s. You know, I I don't know how we even crawled out of all that, but we did, and that's hopeful to me. You know, you, you go through the stuff you go through in life and you learn from it, and you try not to repeat it, and you move forward. I mean th- these are kind of basic slow steps, I think, that that are have always been part of my life, but I'd never I've never been around people who I, I guess I just see it this way, you know. Even with yep. the way my folks were. I've always saw this as a lesson. I was never a victim of it. I was a participant some to some degree, and I've always thought that was a really important distinction that if you're, you feel a victim of, of your life and your circumstances, once you start to look at the possibility you're that you're the common denominator and that you're participating, it kind of changes things, at least has for me. And what I'm hearing from you is a similar thing that while you went through these very, very dark times, you came through them. And to me, that's like giving permission for anybody to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the key is, I mean, you know, not getting stuck in your pain, like, It's so important to address what, what we're in fear about, what we're sad about, what we're angry about, and to really honor those feelings and experiences, and then learning from them and using them as fuel for kind of action, for why we're here, our purpose, what we can be doing. I mean, that's fundamentally what we teach with hope. It's not about not addressing our feelings. It's really about honoring them, learning to experiencing them, but not acting out. From a place of sadness, from a place of anger, from a place of fear, you know, really getting grounded in our emotions and then choosing action. Um, and that's such an important, such an important component and, and aspect of the work that we're doing. I think as you talk about perspective, you know, one thing that is so different is the news. It's uh, it's huh. it, as you said, it's so focused on negative. So when you think of a youth that just now has access twenty four seven to news—it's yeah. so negative. So it's training them that everything is negative, that everything is wrong, that everything—it's training their minds to that. And to me, it's just about learning. No, they're just using that as because that's what we pay attention to. We pay right. attention to the negative, and like, but that's not the state of the world. There are so many amazing things happen, and and youth can have you know, a role in making change for the better. So um, perspective plays a really key, key part of kind of how we, how we teach how to hope as well.
0: Mm. So in addition to everything else you've been doing, the chief hope officer uh, running around a planet with the, uh, you know, the United Nations, making people feel better. You've also written a book. Tell me about it. <laughs>
1: yes I have it's called the biggest little book about hope and it's uh i wrote it when i was as i've been in reno which is the biggest little city in the world if you if you didn't know that and i i've had the honor of working privilege with working our mayor hillary scheeve here in reno to create a hopeful city's kind of activation um but yeah the book is just my personal experience my jur- my journey from you know my suicide kind mm-hmm. of goes through what happened with my suicide attempt and then the skills i use to activate and cultivate hope in my life um, and then the free programming we have, so links out to resources for that. Um, but you know, again, my, I can't make people hopeful. I can kind of share skills and teach them what works for how to hope. Um, the work is really up to individuals, I believe, to do. Um, and yet it was really important for me to share what we're learning about hope and, and what we know about hope science and hopelessness science and um, giving you know practical strategies that anyone can use to kind of cultivate hope in their own life.
0: Well, I wish you didn't have to do this work. I'm glad that you are. So that's good. <laughs> yes. And you're, and you're moving forward all this. Of course, uh, that's uh, at Madam Zuzu's uh, April 12th at uh, 5 to six you'll be there with Jennifer Weigel having a conversation if you want to get tickets no. for that at Zuzu's Cafe spell that three times backwards about 4 a.m. <laughs> Z-U-Z-U-S com slash events you can get your tickets right there that's of course Billy Corrigan's place out there in Evanston and uh, it's going to be great uh, I know that the people being there and coming there will expect this from you so thanks for taking the time and if they want to know more about the Shine Hope Company where do they find that at?
1: at theshinehopecompany.com.
0: I could have done that, but I wanted you to do it.
1: <laughs> I know, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> right, pretty cool. Shine
1: Hope Company now, I'm really excited. Yeah, and I mean, I'm super excited to be back. I'm from Chicago, I grew mm. up in Oak Park. My really? dad was a retail a, banker. No yep. kidding,
0: I didn't know it was Oak yep. Park. Yeah, So I live like by Oak Brook.
1: Oh, amazing, yeah. Not yep. far, yeah. Great mall.
0: <laughs> that is a great mall. You should see, I don't know, when was the last time you were here, has it been a while?
1: It has. Well, Wait. I mean, I've been. I haven't been to the Oakbrook Mall in a while.
0: Yeah. Well, they got some great but, restaurants, probably since you left. So go enjoy those. Nice. And yes, I hope I you will. will come back sometime.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure.
0: All right, Catherine. I appreciate Wonderful. it. Thanks for spending the time with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Until next time, be well. Safe travels. Keep the faith.
2: something that I can't believe looking for something that I'd like to do with my life There's nothing behind me nothing that ties me to something that might have been true yesterday Tomorrow is over Right now Seems to be more than enough To just be here today I don't know what the future is Holding in store don't know where I'm going I'm not sure where I've been There's a spirit that guides me me. Nothing that ties me to something that might have been true yesterday Tomorrow is over Right now it seems to be more than enough to just be here today yes, and I don't know what the future Shines for-